1: Friday, And you know what that means. It is takes on takes here on the prospects and props podcast. You take over the show. You provide the takes. We provide the reactions. Uh, it's always our favorite show of the week where we just get to hand over the producers, mic to you guys. And you get to throw in a bunch of takes for us to react to here on the show. And Jamie, I will tell you a interesting week of takes here on the show. We've got like long yeah. diatribes and storytelling that is involved with some takes. Um, we've got some takes about some fantasy football-related stuff, some draft-related stuff. We cover the gamut here. You and I have a take that we want to debate here on the show in terms of what is worse, a headache or a sore throat. We'll get to that at some point during the show when we feel the time is right. It's a lot of fun things for us to discuss here on the show today. Uh, Would you like the two takes that are related to hashtag our Lions first? Would you you like that? Sure, let's do it. Let's do it. Our good friend Meepster has two Lions-related takes. I'll read the first one. He also has a movie quote here at the end, which is, I, I. maybe you can explain to me what's going on here because I don't watch a lot of movies, but okay. Take, Jameson Williams. Missed almost all of last year. Caught what? One pass? Will miss the first six games this year, then take another three or four games to get up to the speed of the game and develop chemistry with golf who may or may not have the inclination and arm strength to take advantage of Williams if slash when he's actually open. So including the final six games, we may see 400 yards receiving and four touchdowns total for 2023 if we're lucky. Finally, if healthy and not gambling, 2024 sets up as a one-full-year audition for the Lions to make a decision on whether or not to pick up his fifth-year option. Say what? Tell me I'm crazy is the take from Meepster. Um, and then the Ferris Bueller quote in here, which says the world moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it, which I think is a perfect way to end a take with a movie quote.
0: Yeah, I think this is a very reasonable take. It's Um, well
1: thought out, well thought out. And it's a position. I don't think I previously considered until just this moment that we are going to have the smallest of sample sizes on a guy that they traded up to take in the draft.
0: Yeah. Uh, and so this is going to be, we'll see how he finishes the season. I, I would be I'm a little hesitant to call to call this year a lost year for him, missing six games. And, and I get the point of you know he's got to get back up to speed, but like he's still going to be able to do all the off season stuff. He's not hurt. I, I and I state it in this way that I don't think we can build in an excuse if he has a poor season this year. I don't think I feel comfortable just excusing it all to the suspension. Uh, you know he's not suspended for twelve games. He's not. it's not Deshaun Watson. I'm out two and a half seasons, 700 plus days. Yeah. Th- this is a factor and it's going to matter. And yes, I do have some major concerns that, you know, we, we didn't see much of him last year because of the injury. Wasn't super impressed with what I saw at, in the meantime, but again, there, uh, last year, what I was still considered a, a get back year, a get right year. This hurts missing the start of this year and allowing Goff to continue to develop chemistry with somewhere else because it's not a guy that has a lot of reps with Goff or, or in this Lions offense or in the NFL in yeah. general. So And you
1: got two rookies coming in to join this pass catching group that he might develop chemistry with a little quicker than he has with Jameson Williams. That's correct. another concern that I would have.
0: So the overall take is correct in that I mean again, I'd push back a little bit on just saying assuming we're gonna get nothing from him this year. But yes, they're gonna essentially have a 28 games left sure if we uh uh, eligible games in these next two years to make a decision on his fifth year option but i would also say that like at the end of the day the fifth year option isn't always the be all end all um you can always put yourself in a position to decline it and come to an extension or to work on an extension beforehand that eats up the fifth year that eats away the fifth year option anyway so like yes i i I guess the overall state of the take is I agree completely. I'm not sure there's a lot of information to glean from it other than to be like, yeah, this is actually something we should note that this decision has to get made earlier than people think. And we just haven't seen a lot of Jamison Williams in a lion's uniform yet.
1: Allow me to push. I don't disagree with anything you just said there. And I agree that we are kind of walking this fine line where we may have a small sample size, but allow me to throw some cold water on this and present an alternative opinion. We are sitting here talking about this specific take when it comes to Meepster's take about Jamison Williams because he's played a limited sample of games. And so we just don't know. Jimmy, there, there's just as much of a likelihood that he plays in the 12 games this year and he's an active reason why the Lions offense takes another step and is why they're yeah. able to win the division. And so if he only plays in 12 games this year, but he's an active participant. 11. It'll be 11. Sorry, 11 games plus yeah. any potential playoff games. Mm-hmm. And he's an active participant in them making a run to win the division and making a run to being a legitimate team in the NFC. Don't we kind of just immediately wash away the fact that it's only been 12 games or 11 games. Oh, sure. Like, so yeah, it, this is it's razor thin and it could go either way because while yes, it's probably yeah. only going to be 11 games at the end of the season. If there are 11 decent games and he's actively helping them, we're going to forget that he missed all that time in year one. The fact that he was suspended for the six, the, the six yeah. games of the season, it's going to be, wow, did you see the impact Jamison Williams has when he's on the field? Like that's what the conversation yeah. will be.
0: And it's very possible. And I, 11 games is more than enough to make an impact. And, and we all expect the Lions to be playing in the postseason. So we're talking 12, maybe even 13 games for, for the Lions. And, uh, so there's plenty of room for him to make an impact. He has not set himself up to have success so far this year. Obviously, 100% with, with the, yep. missing the six games and co- after coming back from an injury. But he still has more than enough time to make an impact. And if he's a key piece of this offense, which by the way, he should be and needs to be. there are, There are not enough... There are some good players on Detroit's offense. There are not enough elite playmakers on that team right now for Jamison Williams to not have an, to not make an impact. Outside of Amon Ross St. Brown. I said enough. I'm just saying. on Ross St. Brown, you have Jameer Gibbs. But how many high-end athletes do you have that are going to make year one in, or make impacts right now in 2023 that would prevent – Jameson Williams from having that opportunity. Not saying he's going to do it; he has to go out there and do it. But from having that opportunity,
1: there are oh no no outside of outside of Amonara, St Brown and Jameer Gibbs,
0: there's nobody. So I like Samuel say, Porta, but he's not going to stop me from playing Jamison Williams. So he's going to have the opportunity to have that sure. impact you talked about. The question is, is does he hit the ground running?
1: Yeah, and, and, and again, it's totally up to him because if he comes in and those first like three or four games back, he looks like the guy that they traded up for in the first round people are going to be more forgiving Correct. of the fact that he got suspended for six games and missed most of last year with an injury. They're going yes. to be very forgetful because if he's actively helping them win, it's going to be like, okay, we've got a player here. And then that makes the fifth year option conversation kind of solve itself.
0: And again, it's, it's not apples to apples because he's a young guy and we haven't seen him play a lot, but we have seen players come back from four to six game suspensions before and perform as they always have, yes. or, or within relatively a, a close amount of a close proximity to what their statistical outputs were, were there. Obviously we don't, know what that's going to be for Jamison Williams. I love Jamison Williams. He's my wide receiver one in the draft when he came out, but we have to acknowledge that he is missed now, either through injury or suspension, a lot of development time. And so he still has a lot to prove. This is a big, this is a big year, but I think the overall take here is that 2024 is a make or break season for Jamison Williams with the lions. And that I do agree with, uh,
1: Early candidate for 2024 breakout uh, on the Detroit Lions, Jameson Williams, depending on how 2023 goes. Early, early, early favorite in that regard. Uh, The next take here from Meepster, which is related to the Lions, we can continue this conversation. Uh, Take the bigger issue is that the Lions' potential dearth at defensive tackle is probably their biggest question mark in 2023. They've got McNeil, Martin, and Bugs with Kaminsky chipping in. The elephant in the room are Anzariki and Pascal, both of which have been unavailable for long stretches of time.
0: Yeah, so so they are a little weak on the interior defensive line, and I think there is there is a level of optimism about that pass rushing core in general. Obviously, they have Aiden Hutchinson, who everybody loves. James Houston was phenomenal. Sack every play that he was out there on the field in limited usage, but in a lot like the conversation we had uh, when we did our. Actually, I don't even know, we're doing these out of order. So I don't remember, but we have a, either we had this conversation or we're going to have this conversation right now. I am floating in the Mediterranean ocean. So I have no idea. Literally. Where, and it's like, not even a joke. You're literally, literally, so. literally yeah, this on a boat the, floating the boat in the stopped. Mediterranean ocean. This is the, I, so uh, given when this is going to air, this is going to be, I, I am traveling back to, to Spain to, to leave the country and fly back home. So I'm, I'm this is, this is the, uh, the water day, but we talk about Tony Pollard at some point in an RB prop show. I have no idea what it is. I assume it's before this, but no, it knows? is. It is. Uh, it is. Okay. Mm, hold on. So know. hold on. We'll, we'll break the
1: fourth wall here. The Tony's Pop-
0: one prop show before
1: one after. No, this is the one after. So you're going right, to so hear this on Monday. You're going to hear this on Monday.
0: So you're going to hear us say on Monday. Uh, and you're going to hear Chris say on Monday that it, you can't just extrapolate what Tony Pollard has done. Now that he's going to have a bigger role and just assume it's just going to be all sunshine and rainbows and do the exact same thing they've done before. I think that same principle that we talk about in the future uh is going to apply to James Houston here. And there were there were a lot of intriguing elements to James Houston's game uh coming out of college and he obviously flashed last year but I don't think we can safely say that he is an established complement to Aiden Hutchinson yet and and Pascal has missed some time with injury and and so I guess the overall point is, is, yes, there are some flaws on this Lions team. They're not perfect. That's, no one's ever said that. No, and it's fine because I, I think this is where it goes back to the conversation of, of where I fear expectations are going for this team are going to get out of line where they are. They are a playoff team. It would be a disappointment if they don't make the playoffs. Agreed. Issue, which, by the way, for Lions, that's a big compliment. But they should be a playoff team. They should be their division favorite. They are not a Super Bowl contender. No. And the, the the constant effort to push him into that next tier too soon, not by meepster but by people in general, are just have me a little bit concerned. Yes, the Lions have some flaws, and I think they're gonna they're not they can't keep up with the Philadelphias and the San Franciscos of the world. I don't think they are as deep as those rosters, and I think they can go, they can make the playoffs, they can even win a playoff game. But I'm not sure they're gonna go on the road and, and beat any of the 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 few but the few top teams in the NFC.
1: This take from AC1117, take. Matt Canada is a worse offensive coordinator than whatever the Patriots had last season, and he is the worst play caller in the NFL. And he provides the rankings for Matt Canada in his career. Wisconsin 60th, NC State 98th, NC State 57th, NC State 41st, Pitt 10th, LSU 76th, Maryland 69th, Out of football in 2019, QB coach of the Steelers in 2020, and then 21st and 26th each of the last two years. Canada is not not only the worst play caller both sides of the ball, he is also up there for one of the most unqualified coaches in NFL history.
0: So there are two questions to this. Um, Because I'm going to have a hard time parsing between horrible and horrific. Uh, between Matt Canada and the Patriots' offensive group last year, yep. I think now there's no doubt in my mind he's the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL, um, um, that is currently employed.
1: Offensive coordinators,
0: Chris. If you have one that you would like NFL. to NFL,
1: I'm just, I just, I just, just to be fair, I'm going to pull up a list and just make sure that there's nobody worse than Matt Canada. I think I agree with you, but I just want to make sure. I agree. There could potentially be some candidates. Okay. Based on the way the year goes. If it's a disaster in New York, people are
0: going to riot in Nathaniel Hackett's door. Sure. But Nathaniel Hackett, yeah. But worse than Matt Canada? I don't know. But as of today, Pete Carmichael in this in New Orleans could be a candidate. Could be. But I, I feel confident in as of today. Saying saying Matt Canada? That's I think Matt Canada is the worst. I agree. Comparing this to last year in New England, uh, at least Matt Canada was qualified to have seen an offensive playbook before. That is correct. Uh, so, like, that's the – I think that's the the slight difference for me. Um,
1: I agree. I'd rather Matt Canada – I will not I, defend Matt Canada. Well, here's the thing. I would rather Matt Canada than what New England had last year. That doesn't mean I like Matt Canada, but if those are the two options you're presenting to me – I would rather Matt Cannon.
0: I guess. Yeah. Joe, lesser judge, two, Joe, judge was lesser a disaster. Of two evils.
1: Matt, Patricia was and a, Matt disaster. Patricia. They were a disaster. Yeah.
0: L- lesser of two evils. I suppose. Yes. But boy, uh, but it's kind, Matt of a, kind of is, a theme is, in society is, these days, but Matt Cannon is absolutely holding the team back. And, and here's the other, the other factor here we've talked about when you, when you did your uh, coaching staff rank. Oh yes. On, on oh, I can pull those up daily. here for us. A- a- and, oh, I don't care about that. No, I'm just kidding. Wow. Um, and you talked about how you would have some leeway, sure on um on an offensive or a defensive coordinator that might not be up to snuff if it was the particular skill set that the head coach yeah. was so, training. So
1: if if like the Houston, like just using Houston Texans for example, if Demico yeah. Ryan's defensive coordinator was like bad, it's D'Amico Ryan's. So he's going
0: to control the defense. We're going to give him a little bit of benefit of doubt there. Yeah. So. Problem here is is what is Mike Tomlin's background? He's a defensive minded guy. He is Tony Tony Dungy system. There isn't somebody else on this team. Pittsburgh ranked tenth like, in my coaching
1: staff, and that was after yeah. adjusting for Matt Canada. So that's how highly I think of Mike Tomlin.
0: And that, but that's the, that's the issue here. Uh, this is not like oh you have a poor you, you don't have a case where you have a head coach that can okay push comes to shove I can take over the play calling. No, can't I can't do install, it. Like, it, it's – they don't have that. And they, they're entrusting that offense and a young offense – and a young quarterback, I should say, in Matt Canada and it is perpetually underperformed. Right. I, I, I don't – I don't know. Uh, I, I don't know why there's this, this loyalty. I think it's absolutely holding the Steelers back and it's holding back Kenny Pickett, who performed pretty well at the end of last year despite all of that. But I agree. One, one of the uh, – for my money, the, the worst – um notice um in the uh excuse me no, worse notice. Uh, the worst I got like this this email I had notice in it um I'd worst offensive coordinator I'd agree I, I think I think we'll right talk now at the end of the year yeah you we'll brought see up some
1: candidates that could change but he's right now that he's right now the leader in the club I don't get it um all right let's have this this debate and we'll tell the story behind this as we've mentioned at least five times throughout we're doing these recordings we're recording a yes. bunch of shows in advance and so while yeah. you're hearing this Jamie is going to be out of the country. I'm not going to be in Arizona. Like Jamie and I are both. Yeah, traveling. you're going to be in what South Carolina? I mean, South Carolina in the and, Mediterranean Sea. And it just so happened to to coexist with you going away. And so we just recorded a bunch of these shows. Yeah. Um. We w- when we went to record some of these shows, we've been doing double recordings. We've been doing two, three episodes at a time. That's what yep. made it very confusing for us. So, we recorded uh, a couple of episodes and I had a really bad headache. And you were like, dude, do you really want to continue to, to, to go through yeah. these shows? Because, like, I know what a headache's like. Jamie gets migraines all the time. So, then we had a bit of a debate in the pre show. We're like, save this for our takes on takes episode. So, what is worse to have to deal with? I presented headache. You threw out an alternative for us to debate, which was a sore throat. A sore throat. Yeah. And I am
0: firmly team headache. Okay. So, I have actually spent the last 24 hours thinking about this. So we're recording this 24 hours after you- The initial conversation. Your last episode. Well, and also the last episode that you you heard. That's correct, yes. So I I will say this. On a micro level, on a light. So let's say a mild. Both ailments are mild. A sore throat is worse. But as it gets more severe- As the severity increases
1: on the on the The, on the chart,
0: yeah, because the sore throat the level of inconvenience of a sore throat starts out really high, but the difference between a minor sore throat and a major sore throat, while different, is marginal. Is is less of a climb than a minor headache and like a major headache or a migraine. I'd agree. So to me, it's if if both of them are mild, if I have like, oh, a mild dehydration, high headache or a mild sore throat, the mild sore throat would be worse for me. I feel it's more inconvenient. It's more noticeable. I feel it every time I swallow it. It, it, it sucks. I mean, for both, but both I, are not great for what we do on a regular basis. Well, both are just not great in general. Sure. I don't know anybody specific- walking around. That's like, I don't know any headache enthusiasts.
1: But specifically there. for what we do, like a sore throat, like I'm dealing with a cough right now and it's the worst. Like I, yeah. it makes, it, it makes my job 15 times more harder than it has to be.
0: Yeah. And so, but to, to me, I think that's the scale of if they're both mild, a uh, sore throats more inconvenient, but as the severity increases, uh, the, the pain and inconvenience, uh, and debilitating debilitate Yeah. That's I mean, not a word. To, that's debilitating. so not a word, uh, of, of headaches make it way worse. So it, it's like one of those scales. It's like going up like this and the headache. just goes. Yeah. And there's a peak for, for sore throat. Like they, when they cross, yeah. it's over. It's over. Yeah. And, and look, as somebody that had. Uh, I said double digit cases of strep throat in my life and had tonsils removed. I am, and migraines. I am very familiar with both elements of this double not get- digit cases. of strep Oh, throat. Chris. So when I, I lived in South Florida as a, I, I was a sick kid when I was, a, and this was, I was like eight. Okay. I think when this happened, uh, I had 12 strep throats in one year, one calendar year, which is a lot. It's too many. To That's yeah. Way too many. Yeah. It's a lot. Um, and then so, yeah, and then I ended up moving to Arizona and it got a little bit better. But then uh, I ended up having to get my tonsils removed a few years later. By the way, I, I do not recommend getting your tonsils removed unless you're a kid. Or I mean, obviously, do it if you have to. But like if you can do it earlier, do it earlier because it's uh, apparently the older you get, the less fun it is. I still have my tonsils. Yeah, no, I, mine, mine got taken out. Mm. But I don't get many sore throats anymore. Oh, there you go.
1: Um, all right, Jamie, Bailey's going to have the last word here because he's got three okay. takes from us to pick from. We're going to get to all three, so we're going to get to play my favorite game, okay. door one, two, or three. Door number two. You see, you normally pick one, so I, I, I was expecting for you oh, to, no. Monty, to, to go. Oh, is this the
0: Monty Hall problem?
1: <clears throat> this is the fantasy football take. take. Okay. Jonathan Taylor will not be a top 10 fantasy running back this year. Mobile quarterbacks tend to check the ball down less due to scrambling instead. They also, they also vulture touchdowns at the goal line. See Jalen Hurts. Whilst A-Rich and JT should form a dynamic duo that could be very efficient on the ground, Taylor will not put up the counting stats needed to be a top 10 guy. His current ADP will lead to huge disappointment.
0: Um, I think it's within the realm of possibility. And, and I, I think those are... All pretty reasonable concerns. I would say right now, he – maybe I'm the wrong person to ask because I have him as my RB10 uh, in average fantasy points per game. If I use my fancy-dancy uh, adjusted points total, that kind of factors in games missed because I do think he might miss to, miss games. He's RB12 for me. Um, I'm trying to see where I ended up ranking him. In the midst of everything, I'm pulling it up right now. To
1: me, not having him as a top five or six running back is factoring in exactly what Bailey's talking about, correct? In in my opinion,
0: so so let me see where I have him. So I I talked about where I had him projection wise, considering all the factors that I put him in at RB7. So I, I think that it's not an unreasonable take. Uh, I think there is reason to believe just the offense in general. I think there's reason to believe that, yes, we've uh Having It is a, both a blessing and a curse to have a highly mobile quarterback as a fantasy running back. It, it actually is probably a boon to your potential yardage and yards per carry total, but there's also a chance that there's going to be a, a touchdown vulturing that happens. And uh, But we've also seen mobile quarterbacks and star running backs thrive together. Uh, and so I, I, I think there's a reasonable chance Taylor's not a top 10 running back, and I think the reasons presented are fair. I think there's also some injuries that you can talk about, but uh, I I am just kind of lukewarm in this take. I think this falls into the range of like, I'm not taking Jonathan Taylor in the top five anyway among running backs, and I'm not taking him in the first round of fantasy drafts. He would be a second round pick for me. So I think I'm already mostly on this train, so the take doesn't seem crazy to me. What do you think?
1: Um, I don't necessarily disagree. I mean, I'm super high on Jonathan Taylor, but I think the logic here is sound. Um, because I think when Anthony Richardson gets into trouble, his default position is going to be to scramble, right? Yeah. It's not going to be, let me get it to Jonathan Taylor out of the backfield. And so if that is the case, then we're losing some volume just inherently because of that. Whereas with, and again, I love this guy. I thought he you know had a great career. We had a statue back at quarterback last year, Matt Ryan. He could not take off and run the ball. So he yeah. had to check it down. And so that volume is just going to probably be scaled back a little bit. So just on that alone, yes, I would agree with Bailey's logic here. Uh, door one or door three. Let's do three. Take Derek Brown. will get more sacks this year than he has had in the three, in his three years, uh, three-year career up until now, six sacks. Uh, Everett will scheme okay. up more one-on-ones for him with mug defensive fronts, and he will take advantage. I'm glad you looked at the number. Cause I didn't, know I, did, I yeah. well, I mean, he put it in the take. So Bailey kind of did. The uh... This is just a bet on Ken, Ken Everett create enough mismatches for Derek Brown in, in this defense. I think again, the answer is
0: yes. This is cases case as the logic is sound, but six and a half to seven sacks is a lot for Derek Brown. Just given what the, what he's tasked well, he's to do. He's an interior in player, right? Like he's he's, he's got actually, the skill set and, I, mean, and are, I I'm gonna sell the take only because I think that is a I mean that is a massive leap. How many did he have to last take? Year?
1: If he had like four and a half last year, I, I might be I might be able to get on board with this.
0: He only had one Look sack last year. So I take back everything I said. I, 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 So he's average, what, two sacks a year? So two so sacks in that, his that's... rookie season, three sacks in 2021, and one sack last year. Okay. I, I think he'll do more than his average. I think he'll set a new career. I guess that's damning with fame. Prey, well, I was just going to say, it's not a high reasonable. There, but... but to go from that to six and a half or seven without a position change, I I don't see it.
1: Right, I don't recorded... think, by the way, I don't
0: think he needs to in order to be highly effective either. Right. But... I see the point. He recorded his but first no, act
1: I, uh, I, in, in uh, 2021. His first act of the season was on Zach Wilson. Thanks, Wikipedia, for sharing that information with me. Really, really appreciated that. Whatever happened to that guy? But yeah, well, he's hanging out in New York. Um, uh, Jamie, you saved, I think, the best take for last, so I kind of appreciate what you did here. I didn't see any of these takes, so I'm glad that it actually happened out this way. Take. We're, we're going to have okay. to do the thing. We're going to have to do the thing here. Take. Bo Nix is not a top five QB prospect in next year's draft. So we're
0: going to have to do the thing. <sighs> okay. All right, so we already know the top two. Right? So We're I have, I contract, have my Caleb list
1: of players that I'm going to be scouting, and by the time you listen to this, I will have started to scout some of these guys. So I think it's very fair for us to say Caleb Williams and Drake May are going to be in the conversation, right? So those are two. Yeah, I think so. So can I find three other names that I
0: think I would take over Bo Nix? So, you, is this, so I, I have a question for you, Chris. Okay. Is this spirit of right now or projected to the end of the year?
1: Well, the take is Bo Nix is not a top five quarterback prospect in next year's draft. We can take okay. it however we want. I'm not sure it would change my answer. I'm just trying to kind right. of I, think about it. I think right now,
0: if we if, let's do, let's do both. Let's do it right now, and by the time we think next year ends, All right, when when I all right, So who's I guess the interesting thing is is who are you willing I I'm I probably put Penix above. Right. Now. I have I have three. Oh, right now. Or both. I mean, because
1: I think there, I think there are a couple of names that could pass Bo Nicks throughout the season.
0: Well, let's not talk about guys. That, okay, let's just do right now first because there are potentials, and I know you want to talk about Cam Ward. Yeah, one hundred percent. Cam Ward's on but, my on the I, short list for that. But we, Caleb and Drake are, are the free spaces. We know this already. I put Penix at three. Then I have some
1: conversation. I know a lot of people like this guy, and so I guess the question you have to ask yourself is the hype that this guy has right now. Enough to overdo what Bo has already done. And that would be Joe Milton. Because people really he, seem he to he like Joe Milton. He a lot of buzz, right? He's got and a, he's lot, of a lot of buzz. buzz
0: very specifically right now. Like, specific, um, yeah, like, in the lead up to the season beginning. I could see it, but I, I can't get there now. Because, like, Jamie, let he's me... He's in re- the category of potentially... If he does goes, man, that offense is just like it's it, it's it's
1: unique. It's 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 unique, and that's the best word I can use for it. it, it it's it, everything is spread out, everything's out wide. It doesn't look anything like what you're going to see on Sundays. Yeah, there's we, there's no you translator. don't know what you don't know what they're reading. You don't know if it's a half field yeah. read. It, it's it's it just it's a it's it's the Josh Heupel offense. It's just very very mm-hmm. unique. Let me read you the list of names that I have written down that I'm going to scout. Okay, Caleb Caleb Williams, we've already discussed. Cameron Ward, I've already mentioned that he would be on my list of I potentially surpass Bo. Potentially, but isn't there yet? Michael Penix Jr. You can probably, I think you're
0: splitting hairs at that point with Bo Nix. Sure, but I'd have him above now, but I I wouldn't fight somebody on on there. Jordan Travis, I think he's a potential. I love Jordan
1: Travis, but Uh, he's he's a potential. Yeah, but he's potential. Yes. Uh, Quinn Ewers, I think is a potential guy. I was not impressed with Quinn last year. I was not in on Quinn. Not in on him.
0: Everybody, everybody keeps telling me about all this talent, and and I, he just, it's very fine. If the, we'll see what happens this year. If the twenty
1: twenty one version of Devin Leary shows up in Kentucky, Devin Leary will be in the conversation.
0: Well, Liam Cohen's there, too, which is really exciting.
1: Uh, yeah, and, and again, he the only reason why he had a dip last year in production was because he missed time with an injury.
0: He had a pectoral injury yeah. that made him miss some time. And, I, and, I, and it, I think, obviously, Liam Cohen not being there is what hurt Will Levis last year 100%. in some ways as well.
1: And so we know this. We know what this offense can look like if it works well. Like, we'll have the best year of his career with Liam yeah. Cohen. So it's like, I, I, there's some potential there. Um, DJ Ungalale is a
0: potential guy. I'm, I am so out. I, I, I wish him the best, but I okay. am out. JJ McCarthy? I think he's fine, but I don't
1: th- I don't think he's going to be in the first round conversation. Drake May, we mentioned. Jackson Dart? I don't even know if he's going to be the starter. No. Yeah, he's not in this conversation. Um, Jaden Daniels at LSU? No. Jeff Sims at Nebraska? No. Jeremy Musa I mean, they- at Florida A&M? I haven't gotten a chance to watch yet. He's fun, but no, he's not going to be in this conversation. Joel Milton, we've already mentioned. K.J. Jefferson?
0: K.J. Jefferson, again, I like, but not in this
1: conversation. So,
0: I- we're... Sam Hartman so, at
1: Notre Dame, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, Frank Harris at UTSA, Grayson McCall at Coastal Carolina, or some of the
0: other big names. But. Yeah, no, no, no. So right now, Bo Nix would be in my top five. He's going to be, he would be three or four, be four, right? Like for me. But yes, there is potential. I think the take is fair because I am, I am really looking forward to it. Cam Ward and Jordan Travis in particular.
1: I, listen, if Cam Ward is good, the victory lap that I'm going to take on this oh yeah, is going to be massive. I, the, I was one of the first episodes of T and daily I, I ever did
0: was talking about how much I love Cam. And I think a full season so, at Washington state is going to be really, really special. for him. So I, I think there's a decent chance that a couple of those guys could, could pass him. But the other factor here too, is the biggest thing going against Bo Nix is his, the rest of his entire career. If he comes back to Oregon and does the same thing he did last year, or even a little bit better, he's going in the first round. So hit me with that one more time. If he does exactly what he did last
1: year at Oregon or is a little bit better, he's going in the first round. Because that would give yeah. us a two-year sample size of him being a decent quarterback.
0: That's what I'm saying. I was like, because we yeah, have the outlier with season with the switch. If he goes back and is just as good and it still flashes all the skill set, I'm, I'm not talking counting numbers. If he, he it, from, his, from everything he plays as a quarterback, is just as good, if not a little bit better. I think he can he can work himself into the into the middle middle of the first round.
1: I I, I just I forecast, Jamie, people, and I don't think they're gonna be wrong for doing so. I think
0: people are gonna fall in love with Jordan Travis if he starts to play well. They could. And I wouldn't I don't hate him for it. No, like I, this that's, is a big year for FSU. FSU has a real chance to, to
1: do something special. Oh, show. they get a week one matchup against LSU. I talked about it on a TD mm-hmm. and Daily show a couple weeks ago. That's gonna be our group bet
0: right oh, now, F- 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 underdogs. Yeah, gonna, Florida State week I'm, 1 I'm is an underdog. It. We're taking them. Yeah. Yeah, Florida State plus 3. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm all over it. That's that our point. early
1: college bet. There you go, a sneak peek at what we yep. we are betting on week 1 for college. We both we, we like Florida State as the underdog. Yeah, I mean there and and again, this is not a comprehensive list. The 24 names that I that I have written down here, there are going to be other names that evolve in the process. Um yeah. there are some names that have been shared with me of guys that like I've been told, "Hey, watch this guy." Um that aren't on my initial list here. So this is a ever evolving process. And the thing that I will warn everybody, and I think we've talked about it on the show. I know we've talked about it somewhere. Just because right now, going into the season, Caleb Williams is the is viewed as the top option at the quarterback position, does not mean it is a certainty that he is going to be the top quarterback option by the time the season's over. It actually is more is statistically, statistically more unlikely. likely than
0: not that it's going We're to be somebody else. Yeah, you know what, Chris, we talked about we talked about anybody that I is think it was in a staff number meeting. one. No, we talked about it on the show, I think, too. Because remember we talked about Will Anderson and like anybody, like how many guys have actually gone and gone post to post as the clear preseason to right. actual number one overall pick. And it's and it almost never happened. Sure. It's like Trevor Lawrence, Andrew Luck, Jadavian Clowney. Like that, that's like the recent era uh, yeah. of guys that have been able to do that. So, I would place right now – I know this was was not part of the show, but I would give a 40% chance that Drake May is the QB1 by the end of the season.
1: I'm hearing a lot of rumblings, and and I can't wait to do my my own deep dive here while I'm on on break. There are people who think Drake May is better than Caleb Williams right now. I think there are going to be people that think that at the end of the year. And I'm going –
0: Is it the majority of people?
1: I'm going into it with that preconceived notion that that's how other people feel, but I also feel like I might come away with that same. conclusion. But
0: also, this season matters. Because we do this, but now we're looking at these guys with a whole different eye. Sure. Going, both from their, their tape from last year and the tape that they're going to put on film this year. Sure. Is now we're looking at it from the NFL draft lens, not just, oh, wow, these guys are going to be really fun. I'm excited to see what they do. This is a huge year because I, I this, is a, this is a very close race, I think. And I, I think if you look at the betting odds and, and other factors that act like that Caleb Williams is the clear, no doubt. Slam dunk. Uh, unbelievable number slam yeah. dunk number one. I don't think he's viewed that way right now. I think he's viewed as a 1A or 1B. I think they're slam dunk top two, but I think he is one of two, not one of one. Right. Uh, That's
1: going to do it for us this week here on the show. You're going to hear that running backs props conversation that Jamie and I kind of teased and didn't know when exactly we recorded it. That's going to start you off next week here on the show. So hope everybody has a great weekend. In the meantime, Please rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast. Helps us out a ton. We greatly do appreciate it here. You've got the video version of the show available on the YouTube side of things. You can head on over there to the Draft Network on YouTube. Uh, Give the video a thumbs up, comment, subscribe, turn on the notification bell. We greatly appreciate all of those things. So we hope everybody has a fantastic week and appreciate you guys being a part of Takes on Takes. We'll talk to you all on Monday.